as uh, Josh just said, it's, I've done this before, but it's been a long time, and uh, I can't remember when I last preached. It was probably at long sight, I think, um, but it's certainly before lockdown, and uh, so uh, I hope I'm not too rusty. Um, so, as Josh again said, foundations, some of you might breathe a sigh of relief that this is the last one on foundations, of, um, but uh, Josh asked me a while ago... Um, to speak about generosity, which I think is a great subject um, to talk about. Um, and uh, I sort of started putting this together a few weeks ago. Um, and in some ways, right at the start, I felt I'm really preaching to the converted here because you're all generous. Um, and I think you are. I mean, some of this you will have heard before, um, I think... Um, Richard spoke last week, week before, whenever it was, about, uh, it was on the belonging course, wasn't it? And he mentioned generosity. Um, but as I say, I think I, I feel like I'm preaching to the converts. I mean, there's Mel's cakes every week. There's the, the Christmas thing. We did that last year. Everyone was so generous with that. Um, and so uh, I think um, it's, it's good to sort of just think about generosity itself a little bit uh, and just make sure that we just don't take it all for granted and we don't just sit back and think oh that's all right then you know we're all generous we don't need to worry about it anymore so um, as I say yes we're, we're all those um, generous things there's hospitality as well I, I shouldn't have forgotten the McCulloch's with their hospitality the Harknesses with their hospitality as well. Very generous of you. So what I thought we'd do today is, is just have a look at, as I say, generosity itself and um, think about what it, what it actually is and um, how then, secondly, how we can be generous uh, and then, thirdly, why that is so important to us as a group of Christians. So to start with then, what is generosity? It's strange, but I started thinking about this. And I don't want to go into definitions and things like that, but um, you can't touch it, can you? You can't feel it, you can't smell it, but you can certainly see the effect of it. And you all recognise it when you experience generosity. So I, I started thinking and, 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 and thought to myself, well... What, is it, what does it involve? It involves one person giving something to someone else or a, a group of people, either directly or indirectly, like through charity, by indirectly I mean, but let's, let's just stick to someone being generous to somebody else. Um, so it's a sort of transfer of something. Some, the, the giver has to do something and they have to... Um, pass this thing on to the person who receives it. And the person who receives it is usually pretty pleased with that because it, it's, it's more than... Generosity is more than just giving. It's, it's going beyond the expected. Um, and um, for the, so for the receiver of generosity, they, they're usually pretty delighted by that. But it's also pleasing and, and, uh, and, and it makes the giver... Uh, usually pretty pleased as well. So, there's, so it's a good thing all round. Um, and uh, 
it's it's more than just a box ticking exercise, isn't it? It's it's not you know we we can talk about giving and we're expected to give to tithe regularly, but being generous is more than that. And and I think that's where this idea of giving sacrificially comes in as well. Um, so that's what I think um, generosity is. And, and the, just an, an example, if you like, when you were a lot younger, do you remember somebody? perhaps giving you a generous helping of ice cream and how that made you feel or, or perhaps if you're a bit older now and you can't remember that long ago a general he generous helping of Christmas pudding and uh, so it's it, it's it's a good thing it makes you feel good and it pleases you and it pleases it pleases the giver as well because usually the, with, with, when someone's generous it's it's wrapped up in in love if you like um, and uh, it has a cost to the giver. That's the other thing. We talked about sacrificial giving, but, but generosity always have a, has a cost to the giver, sometimes in money, but it's more than just money. It's time, it's talents, it's, it's all sorts of things. So I'll go into some of those later. Um, I'm not going to um, put... I'm, I'm not going to use the screen for Bible readings today, um, but what I'll do is I've, I've, I've got them on my phone, so I'll put them on WhatsApp afterwards. So I'll read them, I'll read them out as we go through, which you can listen to um, or follow, and then you can, if you want to, you can dip into them later. So there's quite a few scriptures I came across um, when I was thinking about that, and not, they're not all specifically on the subject of generosity. But there's lots of scriptures I found, um, and I'll go through one or two of them, that describe other things but that contain generosity with, within them. And I think um, God puts this spirit of generosity into us through the Holy Spirit because God is generous. Do you remember Kofo? I think it was back in October, Kofo spoke about life in the, in the spirit. And he talked about this, the spirit being placed in us. And uh, I think Gavin as well, when he talked about family, uh, talked about God puts this spirit in us. So the spirit of generosity is, is in us through the Holy Spirit. And I think the challenge to us as we go through life is um, to, to just say to ourselves, do we retain this spirit of generosity? And if we do retain it, do we use it? So there's a challenge there. And the first scripture I've got um, is from Mark chapter 12. And I think this is a, a, an example of, of, of great generosity. And it's uh, quite a well-known story. It's the story of the, the widow's offering. It's Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And it says, um, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything or that she had to live on. So this widow was, was really generous. She 
she put in 100%. And we talk about tithes, and the tithe tends to be 10%. Um, there's the story of the, the rich young man that Jesus told to put in half what he owned, 50%. But this widow put in 100%. So that's an example. You can't measure generosity really like that. You can't say it represents a pound or a hundred pound or a thousand pounds because a thousand pounds to that widow is just way, way beyond her capability. But a thousand pounds to the rich young man might have meant just a thousand pounds, just like that, and it doesn't really hurt him. So um, she gave all that money. Um, so Jesus shows us that this this concept of generosity, as I say, I think is, is foundational. It's not an optional extra for us as, um, as Christians. In other words, we can't leave being generous to other people. And I'm, I'm really pleased where Josh said that everyone contributed towards the, the presents for the, the kids at the school. So that's great. <clears throat> um, there's a thought here that all generous people aren't necessarily Christian, but all Christians ought to be generous and ought to be thinking about considering um, giving sacrificially. So I think that's what generosity is to me. Um, so I'll move on to the second uh, bit of this, which is how can we be generous? And I think the, the first principle here is to establish the link between Jesus <clears throat> and what we do. Uh, and I'm thinking particularly of the, the parable that Jesus used of the sheep and the goats. Um, I'm not going to read all of that out, but it's in Matthew chapter 25, and it's verse 31 onwards. And it's, um, if you remember, the, the king separates the sheep and the goats, the righteous from the unrighteous, and the righteous are on, on the right side. And <clears throat> this particular extract is... Um, from that point onwards. So it goes, Then the king will say to all those on the right, Come, you are who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you look after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of these people, you did for me. Um, so that establishes the link. Um, when we're generous to other people, we're being generous back to God, responding to the generosity that he gives us. Um, so... A long, long time ago now, um, back in probably the 1990s, Jean and I used to go regularly to um, a, a, a thing every year called Spring Harvest. I don't know if ever you've ever been to Spring Harvest, but uh, it's a massive um, 
celebration once a week, or once a year rather. They run sort of separate weeks. And there's probably at any one time a couple of thousand people on site, usually at a, a holiday camp. <coughs> um, and it consists of a big massive celebration every evening and um, um, seminars, that's what you call them, seminars during the day where uh, people speak. <coughs> and um, so there's quite some, you know, with this being a big gathering, there's some quite big names at the, these events. And um, I remember going to one where um, there was a guy called Jeff Lucas. Has everyone come across Jeff Lucas? Really funny man, written loads of books, but he's really, really funny. And if you've not read any of his books, it's well worth a read. But he talked about giving, and he talked about the joy of giving. Um, and that, as I say, that, that can be money, time, self, um, all sorts of generosity, being generous with praise, encouragement. Um, and, and Jeff sort of came across with this, this concept that, um, you know, just if, if you're giving out of necessity or out of because it's a, a, a duty, then that's not really good enough. What, what, what you need to do, what we need to do, is, is give back to God what he's given us through his generosity. So um, he talked about this. I mean, I can't teach you how to be joyful about uh, giving away things that you own. But, but if we can capture this feeling of, of, of really wanting to do it because, because we love, then that's, that's what he, he demonstrated. Um, and an example of that in Scripture, I think, is in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. And this was um, uh, Paul talking to the Corinthian church. Remember, he, he, he writing to the Corinthian church. I think 2 Corinthians is his third letter to uh, the Corinthians because we lost one. But um, he was writing to the Corinthians about giving and he was using the the uh, example of the church in Macedonia. So this is what he says. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I think it's a lovely expression, that welled up in rich generosity. Um, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. And then a little bit further on the next chapter, um, there's, he, he continues this, this theme of being generous to the, the Corinthian church, and he says, um, this is in chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God loves a cheerful giver. 
Um, just going along a little bit further, I, I, I think forgiveness can also be uh, worked into generosity. Um, forgiveness in itself, obviously, is a, a central plank of, of Christian philosophy and teaching, but uh, there's a story I came across about <coughs> a nun in India who was on a bus. And if you know India and Indian politics and religion, it's basically a Hindu country, but there's, there's a lot of Christians there and there's a lot of strife between the two. Um, but this nun was on a bus and um, a man who wasn't a Christian but really got upset about this nun, presumably because what she was wearing or something, he attacked her and he actually threw her off the bus and she was killed. Um, and the man was, I don't know what made him do that, but the man was arrested, he was convicted of murder and jailed for a very, very long time. But the nun's sister visited him in jail when he was there and um, told him that the family had forgiven him, um, which was quite amazing. Um, and when he was eventually released, a long, long time later, the family remembered him and invited him back into their home and uh, he accepted Jesus into his life. And this is a true story. Um, so I just think it's really, really generous of that. I mean, yes, forgiveness is part of, of, of what we teach, but it was so generous of that family to, 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 who had suffered that loss of their sister to, to, to bring that man into their home and, and show that forgiveness. And um, as I say, there are, there are examples in Scripture of um, how we can be generous or how, how, how Jesus shows us through parables, if you like, um, a ge the generous side of things. And, and these, these next two examples are, are not particularly about generosity, but uh, they demonstrate it. The first one is in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 33 to 35. And that's part of the story of the Good Samaritan. If you remember, the, the priest and the Levite had walked by and ignored this man who was beaten up. Um, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And uh, so there, there you go, the, the, the priest and the Levite walked by, but this, this Samaritan was really generous in, in what he did for the, the man who was injured at lying in the road. He helped the man with his kindness, with his time and, and with his money. And then um, a bit further on in Luke, chapter 15, is the story of the prodigal son. And if you remember that, the, um, when the son comes to his senses, he um, decides to return home. And the father, um, and remember the symbolism here, the son is a sinner and the father is, is God, if you like. But in the story, the, the, the father sees the son a long way off, um, and he welcomes him back. So in, in Luke 15, chapter 20, 
uh, verse, Luke 15, verse 20, it says, But while he was a long way, long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robes and put on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So again, the father, just who'd been wronged, welcomes the son back. He's generous with his love and with his praise. Um, so a couple of other sort of, if you like, illustrations of, of how we can be generous and things we can do. And the first one I, I, I'd written down, Richard actually mentioned in, in that belonging course, and that was um, some of us I know uh, donate blood. You can do that for other people. Um, and that's a great one because you, you're doing it for people that you don't actually know. You don't know who's going to receive them. But, um, you can volunteer at food banks. Um, I'm not sure, uh, Josh, are we still doing warm rooms at King's House? Did we do that? Yeah, okay, so people can help with that sort of thing. Um, I knew a, a fella, my next-door neighbour, um, where we used to live, he actually, he wasn't a Christian, but he, he amazed me. He, once a week, he used to go to the local hospital and just find someone who didn't have a visitor during visiting time. And he'd just sit with them and talk to them and just give them a bit of his time and company. And he just did that every week. Um, there are family carers, aren't there? Pe people who, who, who are generous perhaps don't want to be, but, but, but they give so much of their time um, in helping out their um, loved ones, people who are sick, people who are perhaps infirm and aged. Um, and, and one of the, the best examples I came across in my experience was um, um, when we went, when Jean and I went to Guatemala we, a few times, we, we went, to, I think, about four times altogether, um, during the early part of the 2000s. And this was just something, it's a long story how we got to Guatemala and, and why there, but uh, I'll tell that another time perhaps. But um, I think it was, uh, it was just the two of us went the first couple of times. And um, we did, it was an orphanage in Guatemala called Casa Bernabe in, in Guatemala City of, of just kids who were rescued off the streets, basically, and, and given somewhere to live and, and a bit of an education. And uh, it was a Christian organisation. So we got to know them, and, and we made contact, and we went. We just flew out there. Um, we, I vaguely knew where Guatemala was, but that was it. Um, we went, and we had a fantastic time every time we went, actually. And I, I think it's true to say, Jean, we were more blessed than... than uh, the blessings that we gave them. But they, they were, the, I, I remember that some of the kids we met just couldn't believe that we'd flown 6,000 miles or whatever it is, 4,000 miles, just to be with them and share time with them and help them out. And so we, we did a few practical things. I did some sort of painting and decorating and Jean was working in the school um, trying to do a bit of Spanish teaching, weren't you, Jean? <laughs> 
<laughs> which was which was quite funny. But um, at the end of our second trip there, just the two of us, I remember sitting down and um, at a quiet time and just praying and saying, Lord, we've done this a couple of times now. What, what are we doing here? What 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 do you want us to do? And and I just felt immediately God say to me, next time you come here, bring a team, bring a team from England. And I sort of gobbed a bit, but thought, all right, okay. And it took us a couple of years, but we did that. We got, uh, with the help of our local church, we got uh, a team of probably 12 or 16 people together. Um, two years later, we all flew out from Gatwick Airport, I remember that, into Guatemala. And uh, we spent, I think it was just over a week there. And we did some fantastic things. We, because there were that many people uh, there, we managed to paint the whole of the outside of their orphanage. And uh, we built them a car park for their staff <coughs> and, um, and, and a few other things. There were, there were lots of people from all over the country um, with all different talents. And, and one of the people who went was a lady whose name was Sheila. I remember that. Um, and Sheila, um, we, we vetted all these people before we went, um, which was, a, I think, a quite a good idea to get to know them before we went. And, and Sheila came and, and, and told us, quite open with us, and she said, um, I've been suffering with depression. Um, I just feel that this is something that might actually help me. I want to go, I want to bless these people, but I, uh, it might help me as well. And I think she'd had a, a nervous breakdown. And uh, I remember talking this over with our pastor and he said, well, if I were you, I'd be very careful about this. The last thing you need is this lady having a breakdown in Guatemala. and you, You've got enough on your plate. You don't need that as well. Um, so we prayed about it. Sheila wanted to go and uh, I felt, Jean felt God saying, no, it feel right. Um, I'll look after her. And... God was true to his word and, and Sheila was great and, um, and she was a nurse um, by profession and uh, she found when she got there that their uh, state of their first aid kit was pretty abysmal and um, I, I can remember there were sort of pills and syringes and things just in an open chest of drawers that any of the kids could have dipped their hands into and taken out. It was dreadful, it really was. Um, so Sheila started, I mean, we were only there, as I say, a week or so. She started getting this sorted out. But the, the real point of this comes afterwards when we all came home. Um, because what Sheila decided to do off her own back was go back. So she sold her house. She gave up her job, which she was off work anyway. But she gave up her job and she went back out there and she spent a year in this uh, orphanage in Casaberna Bay. And in that year, she basically sorted out the whole... And I think she, she went from, like, this chest of drawers of odd bits of medicine. She virtually created a mini hospital for them out there. And uh, it just struck me as a... For, for somebody who, with, with that background, who, who, who really was pleading with us, take me with you, to turn that round into what she did was so generous of her. And that was so that's just an example... So, thirdly, how are we doing for time? Okay, very quickly. Um, why should we be, be generous? I, th I think because the simple answer for me, for all of us as Christians, we should be generous because it brings glory to God. Um, 
the effect of it, people notice, people remember, and people feel good about it. And that brings God glory to God. And I think this key to understanding generosity is to understand this joy of giving. Um, and the joy of giving is, is from the heart. It's not from the head. Um, it's over and above the head thing of, of using my, our money, time, talents, and ourselves. Uh, and it's brought about, by, in, in our case, by this infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's over and above what's required um, and expected. And it's giving with a joyful heart that doesn't count the cost. Um, and it often will be costly. It's giving our whole selves completely, going beyond what perhaps we think is possible um, so that that brings glory to God. And just like Jesus, the, the, the perfect example of uh, a person leading a generous life and, and death on the cross. In uh, Acts tw tw chapter 20, Verse 35, Paul quotes Jesus when he's talking to the Ephesian church. Remember, <coughs> he's talking, he gathers the, the, the elders of the Ephesian church and he says, I'm going back to Jerusalem. Um, and he quotes Jesus and he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive, which is actually quite countercultural, isn't it, to where we are today and what it's been like in this country probably for the past 50 years or so. So generosity is not limited to time and, and money, as I've said, and talents. You can be generous in encouragement, praise, forgiveness, love, compassion, hospitality, or even generosity of thought. You know, um, obviously, the, um, when, when, someone, when you've been wronged, it's not always black and white. Um, you, can, you can give someone the benefit of the doubt. You can be generous with that. Um, and, and you can accept and believe that there is, there is, through God, there is good in people and that God can do things through them. Um, one thing I thought I could just do very quickly is if, if you just want to um, focus on the story of the, the, the woman of ill repute and the jar of perfume. And if, if, what I'd like you to do is, is perhaps just shut your eyes and, and think you're there as I read this and, and try and imagine what's going on around you. So this is from um, Luke's Gospel, it's chapter 7, verse 36 to 38, and then we'll pause. <coughs> now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So we went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So if you, if you remember, think about the way they reclined at the table, it was a low table with food on it. So Jesus would have been lying down on his side, um, sort of horizontally. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So let's just pause there. So let's think about this. What's going on here? This woman turns up. She interrupts the meal and the conversation. And not only pours perfume 
and all, all over Jesus' feet. But then she cries and wails and weeps and tosses her head from side to side so that her long hair brushes Jesus' feet and dries them. How embarrassing for the host, especially as this was a woman of ill repute. How did she get in the door in the first place? Well, it um, goes on in, in verse 44, and Jesus takes hold of this situation. He says, then it says, then he, that's Jesus, turned towards the woman and said to Simon, who's the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. So like today, perfume then in those days was very expensive, much more than water or olive oil. Therefore I tell you how many, her, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been given little loves little. So this woman demonstrates a passion of generosity, of, of love for Jesus over materiality, literally for Jesus himself in this case. So just to summarise very quickly at the end, um, what is generosity? It's going or giving beyond the expected at a personal cost, but doing it joyfully anyway for the benefit of others. Being generous is part of our faith. It's foundational to being a Christian. It's a heart thing, not a head thing. And in the case of Christian believers, it's brought about by an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we're encouraged to learn this joy of, of being generous. We will be blessed ourselves and it will bring glory to God. Um, and lastly, uh, I, I mentioned uh, forgiveness as a form of generosity earlier. Um, and, and God generously gives us his son, Jesus. So let's leave the last word to Jesus in, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus is on the cross as they crucified him. And they, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That surely is the ultimate in generosity. Thank you.